Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Wrong Think Radio. I'm your host, Aaron, broadcasting from just outside the nation's capital in beautiful northern Virginia, and welcome to the intersection of common sense and facts. I'm all by myself today. Alan's out on a wonderful vacation, hopefully having the time of his life, but the news does not stop. So I am out here. Of course, our chat is up, and I'm ready to take anybody's questions who might be there, and in fact... I'm going to implore you to get onto the chat because I can sure use the help, you know, with people to talk to because it's just me. Now, there is obviously a benefit to it being just me because it means I don't have to run the show by anybody else. It's all just me at the helm. Ha! And that's what I get. And there's a lot to talk about. It's been a very active week. I'm sure a lot of you know. We've got several subjects that we have to cover, not limited to the entire January 6th commission, which was complete insanity, absolute theater, and uh, there's there's a lot of questions there, a lot of things that we can discuss to kind of bring up the absolute just, I, I don't know, it was asinine, I think everyone knows that, but there are some, some good things that we can take a look at and, and go through in reference to what occurred in this January 6th kangaroo court, whatever you want to call it, <clears throat> but there's also... Uh, You know, the other wondrous joy uh, that is what's going on with coronavirus and it looking like we're going to hit the repeat button on that, not to mention a little bit of discussion about the Olympics. And I I think that that's what I'm going to start with is, is discuss a little bit about the Olympics. Now, for those of you who don't know, and I can't remember if I said it on the show or if it was only during the show prep that uh the the show prep with Alan last week but I really 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 like the Olympics. I'm a huge fan of it. I've always watched it. It's just been a great thing uh that I've loved. Don't get me wrong, that doesn't mean that I don't notice that they're, you know, ruining it obsessively like they are everything else with politics and turning people instead of in, you know, from athletes into activists and what have you. Um but, you know, it's going to be more difficult to get me to be upset about the Olympics because it is something that I've just continually really enjoyed. Um, and I, I partially because I think it's actually really neat to watch some of the weird sports. Like there are a lot of really weird sports uh, during the Winter Olympics in the last go around. I remember thinking I'm going to watch curling because I don't get it. For those of you who don't know, curling is where they throw a stone down an icy pathway and they sweep in front of it. And so I watched curling and I have to admit the USA curling team is hilarious. They're just a lot of fun. They're ridiculous people. Uh, They're from my area of the country out in the Midwest. So it was just those are the things that I really enjoy. And so I, I have paid some attention to the Olympics because I do enjoy it. I don't watch it obsessively right now, uh, much like most Americans. I did watch the opening ceremonies because I always do. Um, and, of course, you know, I've, I've caught a few events here and there. Specifically, I watched rugby because I had never actually watched a rugby match before. And the high school I went to actually had a rugby team, but I had never watched a rugby match before. And so I watched the USA versus Ireland. The USA did win. Rugby is a wild sport to watch. Just to give you an idea, a rugby match, half an hour. It is constant. They just move constantly. It is a very crazy sport. 
But that's sort of the background that I wanted to give you guys on the Olympics and the fact that I I do enjoy it and I've always I've always enjoyed it. And so it does suck, uh, much like everything else, that it has to be politicized and it has to be turned into some sort of garbage activism. And it can't just be the celebration of athletic prowess and the achievements of people themselves. It always has to be imbued with some sort of garbage messaging and it always has to stand for something else and everything else, right? But, of course, what that brings me to is the discussion about Simone Biles. And I think that I have at least a somewhat interesting take on it. I, I, I get it. There's always this obsession with wanting to jump on every news story and people need to make, you know, their people need to make their statements and, and, and what have you. But the point is, is that Simone Biles dropped out of some of the Olympic events and it looks like she's going to be dropping out of other Olympic events. Uh, at, the initial was citing mental health issues. Uh, now it's, you know, they're talking about her basically being dizzy or suffering what they call the twisties. It doesn't really matter because this story really isn't about Simone Biles herself. And, and let me explain that because I know I know a lot of people got really emotional. There's several people who have made comments and then several people who have demanded <laughs> demanded the silencing of people who have made comments. And I, but I think this gives us a really good perspective of where we're actually at. When it comes to discussions because of how politicized everything is, right? So Simone Biles decided that she was going to withdraw from certain competitions. What that does in reality is it means that Simone Biles is not going to medal. She's not going to get anything because she's not competing. If you don't compete, you don't get to place, you don't get to medal. Now understand that uh, I'm I'm going to be a little bit gracious here uh, for a couple of reasons. Um, you know, this is a person, regardless of how you feel about anything, about anybody in, in reality. This is a person who, this is their their livelihood. Now, do I think she's going to lose any money for this? No, absolutely not. But you get up every single day to train to win a gold medal. And then you have to remove yourself and not win that medal that you've gotten up every single day to train for. That does have an effect. Just because she's not going to lose sponsors or just because she's not going to lose, you know, celebrity status... Uh, it, it's not, it's not like they wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to go run five miles because I'm really excited to have a Nike sponsorship. Now they get up and they run five miles because they want to win a gold medal. And she removed herself to do that. And, and I want to get, I, I want to leave that, that space in there because that is something that needs to be brought up, whether you agree with the decision or not. And I'll, I'll get into the debates here in a second, whether you agree with her decision to withdraw or not. And the fact of the matter is, is the thing that she has worked consistently for for four years is not going to happen because of that decision. And she knows that. And she still made that decision. And I think we do owe it to people to at least consider that, to be a little bit honest about it, regardless of of how upset we may want to be or, or what have you. Part of the outrage that came from this, this situation with Simone Biles withdrawing, is the fact that Simone Biles is, is she is celebrated as an athlete, unlike a lot of other times that we see this, but the left ran with her and and made her a hero because she's female and because you know because she's black. Still not her fault. Please don't don't misunderstand me. The the reason why I actually bring that up 
is a lot of what you have heard over the last week or however long it's been since she decided to withdraw was people just merely talking about her race and her gender. That's why I say that the left is excited only because of those attributes. Most of the people commenting in the, you know, on mainstream media probably actually don't even know much about her record or gym, gymnastics in general or any of those those deals. You know what I'm saying is they don't actually know any of her actual, you know, bona fides when it comes to being a gymnast. And I will say this much. She is an incredible athlete. There are four routines that are named after her, which means that she has innovated the sport itself uh, years ago when she was younger. She's only 24 right now, but she has conducted routines in gymnastics and were so innovative that there are four routines that are named after her. They carry her name and she has been the best in the world. And so that, that does need to be brought up. Now, the left doesn't care about any of those things. Her resume in the effect of being a gymnast doesn't matter. The only thing that matters to the left is her gender and her race. That's the only thing that they care about. And so their reaction to when she was going to drop out was, oh my God, the right wing's going to go after her because they hate black females, which wasn't true and is not true. And everyone knows it's not true. So they wanted to say that she was a hero. She was a hero for withdrawing. The reality was it was that was bait to actually cause a debate. And Simone Biles is absolutely nothing more than a civilian casualty in a stupid war started by the left. That's the reality of what's going on here. She's an actual casualty of a stupid war started by the left. Her decision do doesn't really matter here. The fact of the matter is, is that the left wanted to try to goad in. They wanted to create that division that we always see, <clears throat> which is Simone Biles is a hero for everything that she decided to do. And anyone who questions it is an evil white supremacist Trump supporter. We all saw that. You all know that that's what was happening. Now, with that being said, it makes the conversation stupid because there's a second part of it. Like I've said, like I've, like I've basically summarized here, she is a very competent athlete, extremely competent athlete. The left doesn't recognize any of her bona fides when it comes to her being an athlete. They only recognize her gender and her race. Now, <clears throat> when it comes to her withdrawing, there is something that needs to be brought up. You, when you become a celebrity, when you thrust yourself out there in the political view, especially in athletics, and once again, this statement is divorced from Simone Biles. The person who has not talked a lot in this situation is Simone Biles herself. This has all been conjecture from left-wing, you know, media types claiming, you know, this person and that person is evil and terrible and whatever for attacking the great hero that is Simone Biles. Simone Biles is just not really prevalent unless, I mean, correct me if I'm mistaken, I have not seen a lot of statements from her herself. So this is a whole bunch of white knighting nonsense. So I want, I want to make sure to point that out. But when you're an athlete, <clears throat> there's always going to be the haters, as they say. 
And so when they act like that's something special, it's a unique situation to me. That's how I know that this is manufactured. That's how I know that the people that are weaponizing this entire news story are doing so from a different place that that is completely divorced from the situation itself. Because, for example, people know about football, right? You know, like football players and what have you. There are people who just just as a fun example, there are people who absolutely detest the fact that Aaron Rodgers has a pulse. Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback, or at least was. I don't pay that close attention to football, but he was the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. Well, if you're a Minnesota Vikings fan, you hate that Aaron Rodgers exists as a human being because he's the quarterback of your rival team. This is just drawn off of what naturally comes out of athletics. It's like our little excuse to go to war in our living rooms. So that's what happens. And you're always going to have the haters. So why is it in gymnastics, specifically with this story, with the USA team, why is it suddenly shocking that people don't like a decision that's made by an athlete, even though we see people hating decisions made by athletes all the time? Uh, Give me one second uh, to, sorry for a little bit of radio silence. I need an appropriate amount of nicotine for this discussion. So, um, the point is, is why now is it weird for people to get upset over, you know, decisions that were made by athletes, but more and more this happens when LeBron James decided to leave Ohio, everybody got upset and, and just went after the dude because he went and got a different contract somewhere. And this was supposed to be different than people getting pissed off at anybody leaving their team, right? And that's the problem because the left wants to weaponize everything. And primarily where this actually gets unfortunate, and I think the overall that I'm trying to get at here is this gets even more unfortunate because you have these athletes who are thrust into a spotlight differently than other people. And it's only because the left wants to weaponize them because they're black. That's the reality of it. If Simone Biles wasn't black and female, this decision would happen. People would be maybe upset about it and it would just go away and their life would go on as normal and they would just have to deal with their decision, of course. That's that's the reality here. But because Simone Biles is, you know, a certain race and gender, the left has to make this a giant news story and constantly drag it around and just go absolutely insane over it. Because they're weaponizing her. So just understand that. So it's infuriating. <laughs> Lack of a better term. And, and this whole response is, is it's just absolute stupidity. Because what difference, like, ultimately, if you're an athlete, people are going to get upset with you. That's how it is. If you're an athlete... People are going to get upset with you regardless. People might not like you just because of what team you're on. And that's life. Maybe Simone Biles knows that. But why does the left pretend like it's different? Well, because for different reasons. One of the things that is interesting when it comes to the Olympics is the Olympics is the greatest show of nationalism that you can have. And that's something that actually infuriates the left. They hate nationalism. Everything's supposed to be this, we are the world, kumbaya, no borders. You know, if we all just loved each other, everything would be great. 
You know, every, everything's a storybook for them. Everything's a children's cartoon. So that's what makes this fascinating is they have to politicize the Olympics because what's the other thing that people might take away from it? Well, the other takeaway from the Olympics might be that America's awesome and we're better than everybody else in the world. Well, that's actually directly conflicts with every message that the left wants people to believe when it comes to the United States. There's nothing special about the United States. The United States is awful, in fact, and every other country is wonderful. It's the United States that makes them bad. You know, the only reason why poor people exist in some third world country is because the U.S. exists. Mostly because of you. So just understand that. So the Simone Biles thing was interesting. I do think some people rushed to it because they wanted to get into the battle. And that's what I mean by that. They wanted to get into the battle. Everybody was fighting a battle that absolutely had nothing to do with it. So I see the I see Simone Biles herself as collateral damage in a stupid argument that has nothing to do with the actual situation itself. And part of that is, you know, because the left makes such a priority over people's race and gender and things of that nature, I think a lot of people assumed Simone Biles was what people would call a diversity hire or an affirmative action pick. And that's not true. But because the left does things like that, because those things exist, I think a lot of people believe that that's the only reason why Simone Biles is celebrated, because we do see that regularly. We do see it regularly where the left wants to make a minority sound like they were the best ever at anything ever just because the entire concept there is minorities are better than you. White people are bad. We all know that that's a talking point on the left. White people are bad, and any time a minority does something, it's the best ever because white people are bad. And the problem is, is just from my perspective, and feel free to correct me, I understand that this is a big debate. And I get it, and I know people got emotionally invested in it. I've, I've, I've seen the internet for the last week. I just think that Simone Biles was collateral damage in a stupid argument. And to be completely frank with everybody here, I feel bad for her. I don't feel bad that she's not going to get medals for a decision that she made. She's an adult. She made that decision. She has to suffer those consequences. And it should be noted, she is dropping out of events. And the way that the Olympics work is there's so many slots to be on the U.S. Olympic team. So the fact that Simone Biles, though she is has all of that credibility and everything else that's going there, there is a, you know, I, I don't know the exact numbers. So th this is just me, theoretical numbers here. But let's say that there's five slots on the USA Olympic team. Well, those five slots go to the top five girls, right? And the USA women's gymnastics team. So those five slots go to those five girls. Well, there's a sixth girl who didn't get to go. And now that Simone Biles isn't competing, I wonder how that sixth girl feels. Because the reason why Simone Biles was going to go was because she was more likely to win gold. And then she voluntarily removed herself from competing in that event. Well, what how does girl number six feel who didn't get to go to the Olympics and would not have withdrawn? She may not have gotten gold, but she would have at least competed. And that is part of the reason why there is some uh, upset and some ire when it comes to athletics. That is that is something that needs to be noted. She did take a slot from somebody who may not have withdrawn. Sometimes these things happen. You know, it's it's just like somebody who gets onto, you know, a football team and maybe gets injured halfway through the season. 
you know, we can look at that in a similar sense, but that does need to be noted there. Especially if there isn't like a real medical reason. If it's a, I couldn't handle the stress and the pressure. Well, okay. Maybe girl number six could have. And that's really all, you know, that as far as Simone Biles' actual responsibility, that's it. I do legitimately feel bad for the girl because I bet that that was not an easy decision to make. And I think that it's being weaponized, not through any fault of hers, by the left to just try to keep the race-baity nonsense narrative going. But what do you guys think? Let me know in the comments, you know, post, post your ideas on that. How do you feel about the Simone Biles situation? Now, uh, moving on from that, let's play a little bit of a clip that we actually played last week of Joe Biden, because this actually has more context now than it did last week. And uh, let's have some fun with that. The, the various shots that people are getting now cover that. They're, they're, you're OK. You're not going to you're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. Yeah. That was from the CNN town hall. It was done a couple weeks ago with Joe Biden, where he said. You know, you need to go get these vaccinations because you won't get COVID. You won't get COVID if you're vaccinated. And now we're stuck with uh, having to hear the opposite of that, which is people are getting COVID even though they're vaccinated. We may have to lock down again, right? What makes it even worse is the fact that we're going down crazy town because you actually have Joe Biden saying that he never said that. He's saying that he never said that if you got vaccinated, um, if you never got vaccinated, you would not get COVID. He says he's never, he never said that. And so we're living in a real time, basically insanity feature where they are pretending that they did not say things that we have video evidence of. And there is a certain point where people have to ask themselves, are they actually trying to just drive us crazy? Are they actually just trying to drive us insane? Because it feels that way sometimes. I'm trying to see if I've got the clip here. Because we absolutely, uh, there there was a clip that I saw, and I may not I may not have grabbed it properly, um, but there was absolutely a clip where Biden just flat out uh, said that he he never said that. the The clip that I just played, he says I never said that, which is completely insane. It's it, it's, and the question has to be. Why? What What are your thoughts out there? I'll, I'll get into some of what I think might be going on, but what what are what are your thoughts out there? If you if you're on the chat, why why do you think it's this way? Why do you think that all of the sudden we're hearing all of this about COVID and? I don't know. It's it, it's 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 incredible. Here's here's a little bit of some of the discussions that are going around. Uh, this is something from uh, from Nancy Nancy Mace. 
Uh, let's let's listen to this clip to get an idea. visitors to the Capitol if they were not wearing a mask. When we want to get people vaccinated, and I had COVID, not only did I have COVID, but I had a case of long COVID, and it was a horrible experience. I'm also vaccinated. Mm -hmm. I'm encouraging everyone to get vaccinated because it's going to save lives. And I've said that message over and over again, but it sets a very dangerous precedent to tell the American people that we're going to arrest you if you choose not to wear a mask. Rather than do that, we should be encouraging low-income areas and the hot spots around the country really going into those places surgically and asking people to do the right thing and get vaccinated and making sure that they have access to vaccinations because that's the only way that we're going to get through this thing. But just seconds ago, uh, Admiral Brett Juar said, you know, what he's in favor of is people wearing masks, even if you're vaccinated, if nothing else, to protect children who are not eligible for vaccines yet. Your final thoughts on that? Well, if you if you feel that you could get COVID, whether you're vaccinated or not, you should wear an N95 mask. I, I, I don't, I'm not discouraging that at all. I don't want people arrested for it. I do want to know the data. The CDC has done a horrific job of informing the American people. Earlier this week, we learned that their data was coming from another country and a study that was not with U.S.-based vaccinations. Also, the spread of COVID-19 at our border, our border really is a super spreader event right now. If you're a U.S. citizen coming into the United States from Mexico, yep. you have to have a negative COVID test. They're not requiring vaccinations. They're not testing for COVID of everyone crossing the border. They're not making them wear masks. Treat this equally everywhere. The real notable here, the, the, the real hidden lead here <clears throat> is the treatment of the border. That is, that is definitely something that's worth there. Now, some people are saying that this is this is a big thing to push the vaccines. That's the reality of it. The, the other side of the coin on that, too, is that so Biden's plan was to get 70 percent of the United States vaccinated. And it was coming out uh, about a week or so ago that uh, we're not even near. We're like around 50 percent. And so that has to be looked at as a failure of the Biden administration. Like, why Why are they doing so poorly? And as much as they wanted to blame it on red states and Republicans and all, all, all this other nonsense to politicize it and make it, you know, my guy versus your guy, my side versus your side, the same classist warfare that we're getting used to with these cultural Marxists, was the fact that that's not the case. When you look at the actual data, you will notice that there is a lot of vaccine hesitancy in minority communities, which shouldn't be surprising to anybody. You tell a group of people that the government's trying to kill them because of systemic racism, and then you wonder why they don't trust you when you're saying, just let us put a shot in your arm. You know, this is entirely fabricated by the left. The left created vaccine hesitancy when the whole COVID you know, deal started. Because they were saying, don't trust it. It's Donald Trump. He's making it. He's disgusting. He said to shoot up bleach, which was also false. They have lied consistently about this. They've scared Americans consistently about this. And then they're saying, oh, go get this shot that the government made that we told you not to trust because Donald Trump. Oh, God, I can't imagine why people are hesitant. Now we're dealing with the CDC that's saying, oh, well, you still have to wear a mask if you have a vaccine. Well, by anybody's understanding of vaccines, that would suggest that the vaccine doesn't work. Hey, you still have to wear all the protection, all the protection you have. 
you know, all the protection that you can as if you're going to catch COVID, even though we gave you a shot that told and, and told you that you would not get COVID because of it. That's what the government told us. You know, I it, it, understand. Like, I, I get it. A lot of people want to discuss like what vaccines are, how they actually work. How, uh, and I get that. Those are very good discussion points. The fact of the matter is, is that the government, the Biden administration consistently told us if we got vaccinated, we would not get COVID. If we got vaccinated, we would not get COVID. Let me play that clip. QAnon. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. That was the, that was the wrong clip. <laughs> it was Biden whining about QAnon. But the clip that we had earlier was Joe Biden saying, if you get vaccinated, you won't get COVID. That was the whole point. If you guys remember early in his administration, he told us if everybody got vaccinated, he would allow us to celebrate the 4th of July. Well, the 4th of July has come and gone. That's the reality is the Biden administration has completely failed in handling any aspect of the pandemic. They told people. If they got vaccinated, they wouldn't get coronavirus. Now people are getting coronavirus, supposedly. Supposedly. We just watched, as was stated in the clip I played, we just watched the CDC take a study from a different country and a vaccine that no one in the United States has and immediately said, uh, you should wear masks inside regardless of your vaccine status. Now, could this be because schools are reopening and the teachers unions have a lot of power? Remember, that was a discussion earlier in the summer was how much power the teachers unions seem to have over the Democrat Party. Teachers unions were absolutely apoplectic over the idea of having to go back to school. They really loved sitting in their sweatpants on their laptops and occasionally assigning work through Canvas or, you know, Blackboard or whatever it was that they were using. They loved it. And they didn't want to have to walk back into a grimy school and have to work, you know, normal hours. This is honestly, you can go through social media and see all of these kind of pretty predominantly liberal careers whining about the idea of, oh my God, I don't want to have to go back to working in an office again. It's so terrible. They want to sit and order DoorDash all day and get fat and watch Netflix. And they want to get paid for it. And so they're upset. <laughs> that's that's kind of that's kind of the big takeaway here. But the teachers union has a ton of power because they've defied science the entire way. No matter what the science has said about anything, they've said, uh, we will protest if you make us go back to school, well, the school year is starting, right? It's August. Tons of schools are going to start opening up in the next week or so. And all of the sudden we have this release. Well, could that be part of it? And we're not in a position now where we can say, well, that's, that's a conspiracy. That's a weird theory. Maybe. I mean, what else could be likely? Now, Colleen suggests on the chat that some of this could also be a deflection from the poor economic data. Well, that has to be noted as well. Because we are hearing insane things when it comes to the economy. We've been, the, the fascinating part here, and more so than the normal rhetoric that you hear, is there is just an insane amount of lies and, and double backs when it comes to this administration, the Biden administration. There wasn't going to be any inflation. Then inflation increased and they just acted like they said there never was going to be. You know, uh, 
the unemployment numbers are a complete fabrication. Some businesses opening back up and people going back to work that they had already had is not adding jobs. Because that was the claim. We just added, a, you know, one million jobs. No, you didn't. One million jobs that the government took away are now opening back up. But they're going to pretend like it was a victory. And I called that before the election even happened. I said if Joe Biden was elected, this is exactly how they were going to play the economic card. And they did. That's not surprising. That's that's the normal liberal tactic. Now, what is fascinating, though, is 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 we're heading back into a school year and suddenly everybody has to wear masks again. And there's there's even some consideration of maybe locking back down. Now, I'm not trying to scare anybody, but it is a possibility. But Joe Biden told us that there would never be lockdowns again. Yet here we are. So explain that. And and this is to to make matters even worse is the CDC director. So let me let me let me read this. This comes from the Oregonian. It says a renewed vaccine push mixed with masking could flatten America's recent spike in coronavirus cases within two weeks. The director of center center of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention said Wednesday morning, Dr. Rochelle Walensky sounded the sounded the hopeful note after her health agency reversed lenient face covering guidelines on Tuesday, urging even vaccinated Americans to wear masks indoors at schools and in high risk regions. Though the country has faced a steep rise in cases this month, a trend that frustrated federal officials. Uh, that frustrated federal officials blame on vaccine hesitancy, Walensky suggested that jabs and masks can quickly bat back the Delta variant wreaking havoc across the U.S. When was the last time you heard from the CDC two weeks to slow the spread? Well, the last time we heard that was over a year ago. We are over a year into the two weeks to slow the spread. And they're telling us, don't worry, guys, if we only do this for a couple of weeks, it'll all go away. Obviously, there's a reason why nobody trusts that. And this is kind of the larger point here. The politicization of so many things to include places like the Centers for Disease Control and science itself is the reason why people don't trust it. What's great about how all of this is going down is it is proving to people, people, your, your regular Americans who may have been told that all, you know, that, that all of these right wingers are a bunch of crackpot conspiracy theorists with their tinfoil hats in their bunkers because they question the science Because they act like everything's political. But it is. Consistently, we are being proven right. There's a a lot of jokes going around. We talked about it last week as well. Which is, how how often has the conspiracy theory been proven true? Like, we have to stop calling them conspiracy theories. And instead, we have to start calling them spoiler alerts. Because they've consistently been proven true. It used to be, what's funny, 
is the timeline was about six months for the conspiracy theory to be proven true. And it's now about six weeks, maybe six days, sometimes six hours, it would appear. Because consistently we are proven correct. And even in the government itself, they are just, they're, they're not even taking most of this serious, which is something else that we had pointed out in the past. But th this is some audio. Hopefully it translates well. But, but this is some audio. Uh, it was a, a little fun video uh, that Marjorie Taylor Greene made to highlight the insanity um, that is the government's own handling of these vaccine regulations. I don't know how that came across for you guys. It might have been a little too noisy of a clip, but the idea here is there's two people wearing masks and Marjorie Taylor Greene is standing by a velvet rope and she's whispering, hey, if you guys come over here, you don't have to wear masks. That's the House side. Over here's the Senate side. Nancy Pelosi will have you arrested for not wearing a mask over on that side. But if you walk over to this side, you don't even have to wear a mask at all. And now understand... The Republicans aren't in control of the Senate. So it's not Republican Senate and Democrat House. There's just different rules for whatever reason. Now. Let's see here. There's also some interesting news that came out when it comes to the fact checks, because that is well, oh, sorry, real quick. This this is uh, Joe Biden now. You know, we played that clip where he said that, you know, you won't get coronavirus if you get the shot. Uh, this is Joe Biden's answer when it comes to talking about lockdowns and restrictions. Should Americans expect more guidelines coming up, more restrictions because of COVID? In all probability, by the way, we had a good day yesterday. Almost a million people got vaccinated. About half a million of those people for the first time and with our second shot. So he said, in all probability, they should be ready for lockdowns, but it's okay because yesterday we had a really good day uh, because almost a million people got vaccinated. There's a certain point where you almost have to ask yourself, was it, was that the point? Did they do this because they want people to, uh, they, they want to force vaccinations? And here's something that that uh, here here's some news that's coming out when it comes to fact checks that we're seeing because this this is uh, I'll get into this in a second when it comes to people checking facts when it comes to vaccines because the CDC guidance actually goes against initial CDC guidance. There are a ton of people that are saying you could you know don't get vaccinated because you'll still have to you should still wear a mask because the vaccine doesn't work. And they were getting banned on social media for saying things like that. And now the CDC says it. But here's a little background uh, that we found when it comes to uh, the fact checking that's occurring at places like Facebook. Facebook's independent fact checker may not be so independent after all. A U.S. congressman has questioned the impartiality of factcheck.org, which is supposed to tackle vaccine disinformation 
because it's indirectly funded by jab manufacturer Johnson & Johnson. Who pays the paychecks of the fact-checkers? The vaccine fact-checkers at factcheck.org, who claim to be independent, are funded by an organization that holds over $1.8 billion of stocks in a vaccine company and is run by a former director of the Centers for Disease Control. The fact-checking account responded to the accusations by making clear its funding sources. The Robert Wood Johnson Foundation is one of the benefactors and holds billions in Johnson & Johnson stock. The foundation's CEO is Richard Besser, who was a former acting director of the Center for Disease Control. But factcheck.org claims there's no interference in its editorial decisions, and the foundation's views aren't necessarily reflected in its decisions. But author and liberal studies expert Michael Rechtenwald believes such connections pose risks to the public. This is absolute collusion on the part of uh, vaccine manufacturers having funding the uh, fact checkers on social media. So we're actually getting to the point where people's lives are being endangered. We've lost all confidence in the social media and our mainstream media entirely. Anything that comes into contradiction with the leftist agenda is deemed misinformation. People are now not able to get information about what's best for their health, including the detriments of the vaccine. So how is anyone supposed to respond to that? Oh, but also who's surprised, right? Pfizer just posted record profits far above what they believed. The fact checkers are being funded directly by vaccine producers. The government itself is intertwined with these vaccine producers. Once again, here's another buried lead. One of the heads of the foundation that's, you know, owns billions of dollars in Johnson and Johnson stock was a former director of the CDC. So do you think that they're not intertwined? Do you think that there weren't relationships there before? Now, remember, I am old enough to remember when the left was absolutely disgusted by Big Pharma and they hated Big Pharma. And now they're their biggest advertisers, the largest advocates. They love pharmaceutical companies. And that's, you know, that's the deal. Uh, understand these pharmaceutical companies are making billions right now. Billions of dollars. Taxpayer money, by the way. You know, the point is you're getting it for free, right? You can get the vaccine for free. Well, the government's paying for the vaccine using tax money. So it's free in the idea that you don't have to pay for it right now. It's just that your kids are going to pay for it and your grandkids are going to pay for it. That's what's really going on with the vaccine. And so this is, it's almost like a psychological operation to have politicized everything so much that the American people, well, basically the left that was constantly railing against large pharmaceutical companies suddenly became giant pharmaceutical advocates because they're told that their political opposition doesn't like vaccines. And that's all it took. All it took was saying those big, dumb idiots in flyover country don't like vaccines. And you don't want to be in the same group as those big, dumb idiots in flyover country, right? And so now they say, oh, my God, pharmaceutical companies are the reincarnation of Jesus himself. 
They are, you know, they are the Messiah of the world. That's how easy some of this is sometimes. That that's that's what class warfare does, and that's why it's so weaponized by the left wing media. That's why the left wing media loves this cultural Marxism, is because they can get you to shill for whomever they want, just by telling you that the other guys, those the filth, the proletariat, hate them. And that's it, and it's that simple. People who were legitimately protesting pharmaceutical companies just a few years ago are suddenly massive advocates for everything that comes out of big pharma. How fascinating is that? And that, that goes without saying now, some of it too, is there's all this effectual legislation that's happening. The moratorium on evictions is set to expire today. And uh, some of the uh, Democrat representatives camped out at the Capitol, um, which is supposed to be militarized because of this giant domestic threat. Understand, we we just had the January 6th commission this week as well. They're, they're constantly facing these domestic threats, their lives just, oh my gosh, everything was so scary, but we're also going to go sleep out on the steps at the Capitol building, which... I, I question whether that actually happened or not, uh, but they, they camped out on the steps of the, the Capitol building, some Democrat representatives uh, like Ilhan Omar and, and people and Cory Bush, I believe, uh, were all out there to try to get the uh, Congress to come back and vote on this uh, eviction moratorium. And what that was is you if you're a landlord, the government said that you c- cannot evict residents. Uh, during this coronavirus pandemic, so you were you were not allowed to evict people who didn't pay their rent. Now, understand uh, one of the weird things about this was uh, that a lot of people aren't bringing up was that I'm pretty sure all the back rent was due as well. Once this moratorium was lifted, it wasn't like you just got a free pay on it. You you still have to pay it. You just that that was the thing is all the back rent ended up becoming due. Which is insane. So unless these people were extremely, unless all these people that, that were able to take advantage of this moratorium were extremely responsible, <clears throat> they're going to get evicted anyway. So it's just kicking the can down the road. But the real thing that needs to be brought up here is why did the government choose to do it this way? And by that, I mean, why was the moratorium set up to where landlords had to take the res- landlords were being forced by the government? And, and I'm not seeing enough pushback on this because, because, you know, I'm constantly told by conservatives that the government's not supposed to be involved in business. And that's why, you know, Twitter can just continue to affect elections and and uh, lie to people and push Democrat propaganda and purposefully silence anybody who goes against the left. I'm told that we can't do anything about that because free free market, you know, you know, independent business, the government can't get involved. Government can't tell the businesses what to do. Except for when the government literally tells businesses what to do by saying that they cannot, uh, that a landlord can't evict people who don't pay their rent. So I, I'm not sure where the Republican Party was on that because it happened and then it still happened. And in fact, I think Brett Kavanaugh uh, is one of the justices of the Supreme Court uh, that ensured that that could continue to happen. So a lot of good that did. Once again, it's just empty rhetoric. You know, the once again, these principles that conservatives tell me are dear and, and, you know, I need to be protected were only ever used to hurt us. Hooray. 
Not that I'm a landlord. I'm just saying it's really hard sell when we're constantly told that these things are unconstitutional or what have you. And then they still happen. But point is, why was, why did the government go and say that landlords had to incur the financial uh, hardship? Why not banks? How come, how come the government didn't just go to these large banks that have deeper pockets? Now, understand, I, I get the conservative principle of not wanting the government involved in, in, uh, you know, in industry and in the economy. I totally understand that. But they've involved themselves and it was even, you know, it was, it was even held up by a conservative Supreme Court justice, supposedly, uh, supposedly conservative. So... Okay, well, they're involved. Well, how come they didn't just say, okay, well, banks can't leverage against mortgages if you're a landlord? Why didn't the banks have to take up that responsibility? Why does the individual landlord have to do it? Banks have far more of an ability to take up that financial burden for a short period of time than landlords do. But they don't want to go after the banks because the banks fund them. That's how you know that so much of this is an oligarchy. That's also how you know that so much of this is not actually a free market. That so much has been corrupted by the administrative state that you can't really call it a free market. That's the problem here. Is they're not going to go after the banks. The banks could handle this. The reality is, is that we shouldn't have any of these things happening. We shouldn't be paying people to stay at home. We shouldn't be paying people to be locked down. We shouldn't be paying people uh, to keep going along with all of this dumb government tyranny because the minute you take those things away, the minute you stop giving people uh, extent, like a, a enhanced unemployment benefits, the minute you stop uh, giving payment protection to employers who were forced to be closed down by the government, the minute you stop giving renters uh, eviction moratoriums because the government has closed down their places of work and things of that nature, all of the sudden, the American people will stop the government from being tyrannical with mask mandates and controlling the economy and locking things down and telling their kids that they can't go to school because the teachers union doesn't want to. All of these programs, all of these gimmies that the government has created are all there to keep the American people from pushing back. These tax credits that the government is handing out to people are payments to keep people from protesting. They're payments to keep people from revolting. If you look at Europe, it is a madhouse. There are massive protests in France against vaccine uh, passports. And they're coming here. We've been saying it for months. The left has claimed it was a conspiracy theory, but they're coming here. There is now a demand for things like vaccine passports. There is now a demand for people to have to prove vaccination status to go to work, prove vaccination status to fly. There was actually a joke that was put out by Donald Trump Jr. where he joked about uh, people showing a uh, showing their vaccines, uh, showing that they were vaccinated to be able to vote. And it was a joke about how showing an ID to vote was racist. But he got he got a bunch of people on the left. Uh, and I think it's called like Vax the Vote or Vax to Vote. 
saying that you have to you, the only vaccinated people should be allowed to vote and they should have to show proof of vaccine. Which just shows just how hilarious all of this is. It's racist if you need to get an ID to vote. But you should have to show your vaccine status to be able to vote. That's hilarious. Now, what would make it go away is if you found out that the majority of people who aren't getting vaccinated are African-American and Latino. Then they would turn around on it. Then they would immediately be against it. And that's how you know it's all a farce. All of this vaccine stuff is an absolute farce. It's control. And, and, and I, I want to try to explain it deeper than that because I, I think it, you know, there's a lot that we can go into that's much better. But ultimately what it comes down to is it's a farce. And and everyone knows it. Now, what is funny is that the the Biden administration has reached out to news outlets about their, quote, irresponsible coverage uh, regarding the Delta variant. This actually comes out from uh, Mediaite. It says, uh, Mediaite has learned that President Joe Biden's administration is reaching out to news outlets to get them to dial back their overheated and irresponsible coverage of the Delta COVID variant, which they believe is being done for eyeballs at the expense of crucial of the crucial vaccine effort. Several uh, several news outlets have already faced stiff public backlash over reckless framing of things like the number of breakthrough COVID cases, which is vanishingly small as a percentage of vaccinated people. The susceptibility of vaccinated people to the Delta variant, which is very, very low, and the rate at which vaccinated people can transmit the variant. That coverage has not escaped the notice of the Biden White House. The pushback from the White House has included this all caps correction to the New York Times from the coronavirus team communication staffer Ben Wakana saying vaccinated people do not transmit the virus at the same rate as unvaccinated people. And if you fail to include that context, you're doing it wrong. Two Biden officials spoke to CNN's Oliver Darcy about the issue one of whom told CNN told the CNN reporter that the media's coverage doesn't match the moment. It has been hyperbolic and frankly irresponsible in a way that hardens vaccine hesitancy. The biggest problem we have is unvaccinated people getting and spreading the virus. Darcy also told also reports that the White House is reaching out to news organizations to get them to dial back the coverage. So suddenly it's okay for the White House to tell the media what they can and can't report and how they can and cannot report it. But what's interesting about that is all these news agencies are actually doing is reporting what the CDC is saying. People are outraged over what the CDC itself is saying. So explain that. That's the part that I don't understand. They're going after what the CDC itself is saying because the CDC says you have to wear masks inside if you have, if you've been vaccinated. How I'm confused. Maybe the Biden administration needs to be talking to their own centers for disease control because they're the ones who created all of this. And so maybe what we're actually seeing is a schism in the administration itself. Maybe that's what's happening. 
Maybe the Biden White House is too focused on wanting to claim a victory. And then there are leftist groups that are seeing their power slip out of their fingers. Perhaps that's what's going on. But who knows? Now, speaking of bids for power, we would be remiss if we didn't bring up some of the things that were you know, going on with the January 6th commission, because that's the next power grab. All of this seems to be a giant power grab. And, oh, I'm sorry. Actually, there there is one more, one more clip uh, that I want to play, which is the, uh, what, one of, one of the White House press folk, <laughs> I, I guess is the best way. It's the White House principal deputy secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre. Or maybe it's Jean-Pierre uh, trying to respond to an NBC reporter of all people. So not even somebody from the right, but an NBC reporter. This this is the, the kind of insanity that we're seeing from this schism. This is also in terms of getting information out. Like, Why are the doctors not here in the briefing room to take our questions? Why have we not had a COVID briefing? When we got some update from Dr. Walensky, that was a phone briefing, provides information, but the public is eager to know more about what the Delta variant can do. You know what, Kilio? I would I would um, argue that we had the President of the United States speak to this yesterday. He gave a more than 30-minute speech about where we are as a country. I mean, he is a trusted voice. He's the leader of our country. No, but we heard from him, right? We heard from the president yesterday. We heard from the president about the Delta variant and vaccinations in general uh, the day before yesterday when he was in Pennsylvania, when he was supposed to talk about Buy American, which he did, but he led off talking about the vaccinations. We have had our doctors on your networks, on many of the networks that are here uh, talking, probably all of them, uh, talking about the Delta variant all throughout these last couple of days. So they have been out there. They have been talking about it. And yeah, we heard from directly from Dr. Lewinsky herself. You know, so this is something that we're going to continue to do. We're going to continue to make sure that we communicate directly with the American people and also hand work hand in hand with local governments. And What's fascinating about that is, well, we, we heard from Biden and he's a trusted voice. He's the leader of our country. So was Donald Trump. So was Donald Trump when he talked about hydroxychloroquine, when he talked about the therapeutics. He was also the leader of the country. And according to the deputy assistant press secretary, that makes him a trusted voice, but he wasn't then. It hasn't been that long. It hasn't been that long since you were told not to trust him, that he was just some idiot. He wasn't a doctor. He's not a scientist. And so maybe maybe what we're actually seeing here now is the left is going insane because they're not actually sure which rhetoric thing they're supposed to carry. We were told only to listen to scientists, but you're not putting scientists in front of us to ask questions. Oh, well, it's okay. You can trust Biden, but he's not a scientist and you told us not to. You told us not to listen to politicians. You told us not to listen to the president of the United States. What do we do now? And maybe that's what's going on. Maybe that's the situation here. I think obviously that's the situation here is they thought that the Biden administration would understand all the BS rhetoric that they put out. And now they don't know what to do with their hands because 
they don't want their scientists ask questions because it's going to probably conflict with 99% of what bumbling Biden says because Biden doesn't know what the hell's going on or what day it is. And so likely that's what's going to happen. Now we're going to see more things because this is, this is what's interesting too, is I, I would be remiss if I didn't put out a little bit of the conspiracy here of the idea that uh, maybe some of this release of information and this explosion uh, when it comes to coronavirus was because of the massive flop that occurred for the January 6th committee. Maybe that's what's actually happening is the January 6th committee was such a flop that they needed to have something else take over the news cycle. This is an exchange that happened uh, between office officer Fanone and Don Lemon real quick I'm so proud of you I'm glad to know you anything anything you guys need thanks Thanks. you know I mean that I love you buddy like what really do thank you so much I love you too buddy thank you your family's been so great to me everybody's reached out from your sister to your brother to your mom you're a good man you come from a great family and I'm just really proud of what you're doing and yeah, I mean, you've been very good to us as well, man. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you. This is an example of what policing should be like. So that that's, that's uh, you know, just six months ago, Don Lemon was talking about how awful police were, especially white police officers. And Officer Fanone is white. White police officers were racist. They were a symbol of structural racism in this country. They were murdering black men like him. Every single day. And now I love you. I love you so much. They're hugging each other. They're cuddling each other. This is what policing should look like. I don't understand what he means by that. What does he mean this is what policing should look like? Because as as I'm told, these officers were fighting. You know, like, okay, like, I understand the rhetoric. They were, they were defending the Capitol. They were holding protesters back. But they were fighting with protesters. And cops who fight with protesters in the summer of 2020 were racists and beating black and brown bodies to push white supremacy. So what policing should look like is firing tear gas into a crowd of protesters. What policing should look like is taking up batons and hitting protesters in the face. What protesting should look like is shooting an unarmed civilian who's protesting in the throat without even giving a warning. Is that what policing should look like suddenly? Or is that how policing should look like against white people who vote for the people you don't like? Maybe that's what Don Lemon means by that. Maybe what policing should look like is the people I don't like should get beaten, stomped on, flashbanged, tear gassed, you know, hit with clubs, uh, pushed with shields and held in indefinite confinement for months on end. Just don't do it to me. So that's what policing should look like. Policing should look like it being weaponized against my enemies. Maybe that's what Don Lemon means, is policing should be a weapon against my enemies, my enemies only. I should be allowed to burn down a business because I'm angry. I should be allowed to assault civilians because I'm angry. I should be allowed to have my jackbooted thugs marching through the streets, uh, interrupting people who are simply trying to eat dinner, going up in the face of families and screaming obscenities at them while they sit with their children at dinner. That, that, that should be allowed. 
but all of these disgusting regular Americans who don't live in the high rise of New York City should be kicked in the throat, punched down onto the ground, stomped upon, and arrested. That's what policing should look like. That seems to be the message. Now, a couple of things focusing on that is, number one, suddenly the left wing is super pro-police with this January 6th committee or commission, this January 6th commission. Suddenly the left is pro-police, which is reason number one why you know that this is complete garbage. There's not an American out there that isn't looking at this and going like, okay, like I'm amazed that I don't see neck braces everywhere because the left is trying to handle the whiplash because you're not supposed to hate cops anymore. You're suddenly supposed to love cops and anybody who questions them is the devil, is a domestic terrorist. But why these officers? Sorry. This is a question that I have not really seen asked. Why these officers? So understand, this is a commission that was put together by the uh, House of Representatives. So it's a commission to, quote, get to the truth of what occurred on January 6th. Now, understand that for those of you who remember General Honoré, he was the guy that Nancy Pelosi hired to conduct an investigation shortly after January 6th. He's the, you know, U.S. Army general who's a raving lunatic leftist um, and a massive conspiracy theorist. But he was supposed to figure out what occurred on January 6th and what he came back with and went to several news agencies about General Honore claimed that the police went along with the protesters. They were supporting the protesters. Just think about that for a second. Uh, That at that time, it was Nancy Pelosi's guy said that they were working with the protesters, the police. They were on the side of the police. Does that make sense? So just just understand, so Russell Honore was House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's named, she, he was named to head the security review of the U.S. Capitol, said that he believes Capitol Police and the House Senate Sergeants at Arms were complicit in the January 6th riot. What changed? Why did that suddenly change? Does anybody know? Now, let me see if I can pull up the clip uh, that that actually that actually shows that. Uh, let's let's see here. Sorry, it's a pain in the butt. This thing's being uh, rough, but we will find it. Um, <clears throat> but on yeah, Honore said that they were complicit. And then all of a sudden that went, that went away. I don't understand how that just disappeared, but nobody needs to answer that. How fascinating is that? 
So uh, just un- 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 understand some of some of this because the, it, it is notable because some of the Capitol Police officers could be reacting to the idea that they are basically bending the knee as much as possible to keep themselves from getting blamed for it, to keep themselves from getting in any trouble. Uh, you know, that's, that, that is a notable there as well is that, you know, they're trying to keep their own head down and not get blamed for these things. So I don't know. I mean, that's, that's, that's something that needs to be brought up. So let's, uh, let's see. I've got a, uh, Oh, Jesus. I'm trying to find the actual, <laughs> the act- there's so many clips of this guy and his bad, his bad takes. <coughs> um, it's actually hard to find now. Point is you guys heard it. Um, so I guess, I guess we don't need to go any further than that. You guys heard the quote. I'm sorry. I wasn't able to pull the, uh, pull the actual audio itself, uh, but I'll, I'll post it up. Uh, if I can get it, uh, it's just, it's just not playing nice or it seems to not be, uh, <laughs> playing nice right now. Um, and that's my fault. I, I, I should have known that I was going to be pulling this up. Uh, but I, I kind of knew it and then remembered it because, you know, that's how the news cycle works. But he did say that the, uh, police were complicit. So maybe that's what they're trying to hide. Maybe that's what they're trying to hide here is their complicity. But back to the original question at hand which was why, why these officers, you have a commission of Congress members, but it's not the chief of police. It's not their heads. It's not their officers. Why these officers, why were they picked? Just think about that. It's it's not, not the chief of the federal police force. It's not the chief of the Capitol police. These were random officers who came and told stories and got Congress members to cry. Why were they picked? What makes them the reason that they were picked? I think you all know where I'm going with this. It's obvious these officers were picked because they were the ones that were going to go along with the story. They were the ones that were going to go along with the farce. It's so obvious to people that there are legitimately folks that are questioning whether these are actually officers at all. Because it's that obvious how ridiculous this is. So why them? Why were they the ones that were chosen to represent the police force? And that needs to... uh, that, that needs to be brought up. How come they picked them? And is it just because... Is it, is it, is it just because they were going to go along with it? Now, the National Police Union, the National Police Association on Wednesday, called the congressional investigation in the, in the Capitol riot a politically motivated dog and pony show. And it has absolutely, like, it, it, sorry, it's, it's yeah, it, it's, 
a politically motivated dog and pony show and has no intention of uncovering any truth. And you get headlines like this. The CNN puts out officers who testified at one six hearing call for police union to publicly denounce insurrection. And it says here still grappling with the physical and mental trauma from the January 6th insurrection. By the way, not a single person is charged with insurrection, not a single charge, not a single charge of insurrection. But the physical and mental trauma from January 6th insurrection. Several police officers who were on the front lines that day want more support from the nation's largest police union and are calling on law enforcement groups to publicly denounce those who have lied about the severity of the U.S. Capitol attack. Three of the officers who testified Tuesday before the House Select Committee investigating the attack are among those speaking out, including Metropolitan Police Officer Michael Fanone, who's the guy we just heard cuddling with uh, uh, Don Lemon, who told CNN that the Fraternal Order of Police has not contacted him since the riot took place. The post-January 6th experience for me as someone who fought that day, who fought that day, who fought that day. To defend the Capitol. Who fought that day to defend the Capitol. This guy's talking like a soldier. Do you, do you want your police to be soldiers? Guys, is that what we want in America? We want our police to be soldiers? We want them to fight American citizens? To defend politicians? Is that the job of our police? Is our job... Uh, is the job of the police officer in the United States of America to fight American citizens to protect politicians and what politicians want. Is that the job of the police force in the United States? Is that is that how it's written? I, I must be confused. Um, has been to say, I would say, as traumatic as the actual day itself. Okay, so it's traumatic that you're not getting everybody soothing your butt hurt. So, so that means that it must not have been that traumatic. It must not have been that traumatic. The fact that the police unions aren't like celebrating you and giving you, showering you with money and telling you how much of a hero you are is just as traumatic as January 6th. Well, that suggests that January 6th wasn't that traumatic. We also have the claim that comes from an officer done once again. Why, why him? He's not a police chief. He's not the head of anything. Like he's just he's just a guy. He's just a cop, just a regular cop. But he's out there saying that he was, you know, in a crowd of people that were throwing racial slurs at him and threatening to kill him and all this other garbage. So that's the other question. So so question number one is, why were these cops picked? Question number two is going to be, okay, cool. So um, if that happened, Officer Dunn, if if you were uh, attacked by all these people who were who were, you know, calling you racial slurs and and saying that they wanted to like murder you and whatever you were wearing a body camera right because police officers in the capital wear body cameras you were wearing a body camera so this would be easy to prove and this is how i know so so one one of the things you guys have to understand is like legally i i i'm not supposed to make accusations you know um you know, like the the I'm not supposed to make accusations that things are false or that somebody lied. You know, we're not supposed to be able to do that. Well, only against the left. Like you can say it all all day, every day against the right. But okay, if this is true, this the, these are the things that lead me to believe that this is untrue. 
These are the things that lead me to believe that what Officer Dunn said is untrue, that he was surrounded by people that were screaming racial slurs at him and threatening to murder him and whatever the hell else. The things that lead me to believe that that is an untrue statement are, number one, you would have body camera footage of that. If you weren't wearing a body camera, then if we were really getting to the truth of what happened on January 6th, the next question would have to be, why were you not wearing your body camera that day? And who ordered you to not wear that body camera? And why did that person make that decision for you to not wear your body camera? We do know for a fact that Mayor Muriel Bowser, the mayor of Washington, D.C., refused any federal assistance in protecting the Capitol prior to January 6th. There's a memo that she put out. It's a tweet that she still is yet to have deleted. That shows that she is saying we are not going to let the feds come in here. Because remember, that was a bad thing. Bringing federal agents in to help bolster police or the National Guard was a big, bad racism. Understand that. That was a big, bad racism. You couldn't do that. So, okay, where's the body camera footage? Well, we know that he wasn't, he couldn't have been wearing a body camera or that he does, doesn't have the body camera footage. The reason why we know that, well, one, is this likely did not happen at all. We know because <clears throat> to believe that this happened, to believe that this occurred, but us to have not heard about it, is to believe that nobody wanted to make $1 million. That nobody wanted to make the easiest $1 million they've ever made. That anyone's ever made. Let me explain. Tons of people have video of what was going on in the Capitol. There's hours, hundreds of hours of video of what happened at the Capitol. People had phones out. People were recording Everywhere. There's also security footage everywhere. And like I said, police body camera footage everywhere. A group of Trump supporters throwing racial slurs at a black officer and demanding that he is like killed or threatening him <clears throat> is a million dollar news story. That is a million dollar news story. So you're telling me. Because I don't believe for a second that there's no video evidence if this occurred. I don't believe for a second that there's no video evidence if this occurred. We have video evidence of everything else. So I don't believe for a second that there's no video evidence that this occurred if it happened. And that video evidence is worth million, at least a million dollars. So you're telling me that Officer Dunn doesn't want to make a million dollars because his body camera footage would be worth a million dollars. It's a million dollar news story. There's no news agency. There's no liberal news network on the planet that wouldn't pay a million dollars for the footage of Trump supporters screaming the N word at a black police officer. There isn't a single news agency that wouldn't pay a million dollars for that footage. Officer Dunn apparently doesn't want to make a million dollars. You want That's what you want me to believe. What you want me to believe is Officer Dunn doesn't want to get a million dollars. You want me to believe that not a single person in that crowd with an iPhone doesn't want to make a million dollars. You want me to believe that uh, all of the media people that were out there, either independent or with news networks, don't want to get paid a million dollars for that footage. 
all of them have decided for some reason to not make a million dollars by selling that footage because that would be the biggest news story (coughs) wall to wall. It would have been wall to wall from January 6th till now. We'd still be hearing about it. It would be more effectual than the five seconds of people in Charlottesville with some tiki torches. It'd be more effectual than that. Even and understand not even specifically what he said, just something that would leave the gray area, a video of officer Dunn sitting there with a bunch of people screaming at him. Maybe you can't hear it. Maybe there's no audio. And then he just goes in front of a camera on January 7th or January 8th and says, they were calling me this. They were saying that would have been enough. That's worth a million dollars. They didn't want to make a million dollars. Why would they hide that? Even if they did try to hide it, even if they tried to suppress the video under court order, you're telling me officer Dunn's going, well, I'm not going to make a million dollars because some judge said that I can't release the video, even though I would be a hundred percent protected by every Democrat everywhere. If I release this now, old goat on our chat is saying it's because the FBI plants and the mob don't want to be shown attempting to get people to get the people into a riot. We have video evidence of that. We have video evidence of known people who were working for the FBI trying to encourage people to riot. So there's that. We have video evidence of that, which they absolutely would want to hide. They absolutely don't want anyone to see that got out. That got out. There were absolutely agents provocateur in this situation in January 6th, one of whom was an Antifa member called Jaden X, who sold his footage to CNN and MSNBC, who was with a CNN videographer at the time saying, we're going to get them to do this. He was an agent provocateur by the left to go out there and to try to get this film. The reason January 6th occurred the way it did was because it was planned to occur that way by the Democrats. I don't think it went at all the way they wanted it to. They wanted it to be violent. They wanted it to be destructive, and it didn't really work out, which is why you see them going completely crazy over somebody putting their feet up on Pelosi's desk, which is why you see them going crazy over someone stealing a podium. That's what's actually happening here. They thought that letting all of these protesters into the Capitol would result in them setting fires and smashing things and creating all sorts of insane amounts of destruction. But that didn't happen. And Chick Mouse is bringing up something interesting as well, which is Stuart Rhodes, who's supposed to be the founder of the Oath Keepers. And supposedly there's a ton of statements where he was trying to incite violence, but has not been arrested. Well, he also has a working relationship with the Federal Bureau of Investigation. This is why I don't trust some of these groups. Because the FBI absolutely creates groups to then try to get people to join them. And then they arrest those people. And the people at the head of the group are uh, paid informants by the Federal Bureau of Investigation. In fact... 
believe it or not, in the later years of the Ku Klux Klan, the majority of the Klan itself were FBI informants. There were more members in the Ku Klux Klan that were informants for the FBI than actual members. That's a true statement. They do this all the time. And now I don't know much about the Oath Keepers. I think they're a little silly and kind of fuddy, to be honest. It's just me. But there was even a law enforcement connection with the leader of the Proud Boys. He had worked with the DEA. Now, whether or not that makes the Proud Boys bad or not, there is an influence there. The fact of the matter is, is there is a lot more that would lead me to believe that the Democrats wanted an Antifa-style riot at the Capitol, specifically so they could do what they're trying to do now, which is to turn around and call their political opposition domestic terrorism and then try to basically use the powers that were given under things like 9-11 to go after it. Let's just call it the Anti-Patriot Act. All of this is a farce. All of this is pre-scripted, which is why the freak out and panic attacks that you're hearing from the left don't match any of the evidence that we actually see is because they want to basically create an anti-Patriot Act. The Patriot Act gave the government the ability to do an obscene amount of security monitoring under the guise of protecting people and national security. They want to do an anti-Patriot Act. The ability to go after anybody who's a patriot and monitor them and call them a domestic terrorist, put them on a no-fly list, take away their bank accounts. That's already happening right now. The ADL and other groups are getting together and making a list and telling people that <coughs> telling people that you can't use payment processors because the ADL has decided that you're a bad person. Tech companies are making lists of people. Lists. They're making lists of people who they think are, you know, accusing people of hate speech. Now, understand these are groups, you know, groups like the ADL consider anybody who goes against liberal orthodoxy as being a domestic terrorist, as being violent. They literally co they literally call the Pulse nightclub shooting a right wing attack. A guy who screamed for ISIS, they want you to think that that's like your everyday run-of-the-mill Trump supporter. They call it an anti-LGBTQ attack instead of calling it Islamic terrorism. That's the kind of thing that you expect from the ADL. They probably didn't even code Keith Hodges. And that's, sorry, that's the other thing. is A lot of this is to, to make you feel like you're going crazy. Because just remember, this was the greatest attack against our democracy since the Civil War. Uh, you know, some boomers showing up and yelling things outside the Capitol building and then wandering through and taking selfies was the greatest attack against democracy since the Civil War. But a Bernie Sanders volunteer uh, trying to assassinate congressmen while screaming this is for health care. Keith Hodgkinson, 2017. At the congressional baseball practice. That wasn't even called domestic terrorism. In fact, it wasn't until just before this commission, just before the January 6th commission, at the pressure of Republicans in the Senate, the FBI did not code the attack by Keith Hodgkinson attempting to assassinate 
Republican congressman in a targeted assassination. He asked what party affiliation they were right before he went in and started shooting at them. They've just now coded that as domestic terrorism. The reason why, if they had called it domestic terrorism before, it would have made Trump look good. So they didn't. That's what needs to be done. I believe that the Democrat Party is basically trying to create what I'm going to call the Anti-Patriot Act. They want the ability to use the security state, to use the national security apparatus to target their political enemies and put them in jail and call them domestic terrorists. They want to make it impossible for you to disagree with the party. And this is just part of it. Now, don't misunderstand me. I don't think America's buying it. I really, truly don't think America's buying it. And I'm going to say it because this whole weird, crazy nonsense with the CDC, I think, was because the January 6th commission was a flop. I think people saw Adam Kinzinger crying and Adam Schiff crying I think people saw it and went, okay, this is this is a clown show. I'm not doing it. I don't think they gained anything from it, and so they had to get it out of the news cycle. For something that's supposed to be as big as January, the January 6th commission is, for something as big as the January 6th commission is supposed to be, it dropped out of the news awfully fast, and I think it's because people saw it as the farce that it was. A hundred percent. And that's why now the CDC is saying crazy things about covid I think it's it's because they basically had an oh shit moment and they needed something that was going to take the headlines even more. And I think that that's what's going on, which is also why the CDC guidance is conflicting with what the White House is saying. But we'll have to see. Now, I might do some more shows throughout the week because I am cutting this one a little short, uh, but that's just so I don't babble too much and take up y'all's time. But we will be around. Be sure to keep listening and go to subscribestar.com forward slash wrongthinkradio where you can sponsor us for $3 a month. I'm Aaron from the East Coast, and this is Wrong Think Radio. Radio.